0: Today, we are back in our topic about remembering who we are. Remembering who we are as a church. We are a church that should feel like hope. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of things that I think we talked about today as a title Read and Pray. Just a couple of things that I don't think is going to be anything surprising to you, but maybe the power of God will be in the midst of it anyway. So let's start by playing a game of. What if? All right, now I know this is dumb, but just stay with me, okay? Let's play a game of what if. Remember when you were a kid and you could, be just, you could just imagine stuff and just pretend and everything was like, it was real? All right, we're going to do that. We're going to do that right now. So let's play a game of what if. What if there were a pill that I could give you that had some awesome results with no adverse side effects at all? Like, For example, what if this pill, if you took it once a day and it was free, what if you you took this free pill once a day, it would improve your self-esteem, it would give you more energy, it would help you have a sharper mental focus, it would reduce the possibility of depression, it would reduce stress levels in your life and even enhance the quality of your sleep. What do you think? Sounds good, right? Sign me up. Nah, I don't need that. Of course, there is no such pill. But you know what's interesting? All of those things that I just mentioned are proven side effects, results, of something that's available to virtually every person here. It comes from exercise. Now you're depressed, right? (laughs) Exercise, free. Something, and you're like, but I don't have time, I don't have energy, I know I should, but I never do. Have you ever asked yourself, why don't you? If all of that stuff comes out of it, is there any of that stuff you don't want? Why don't I have time? Why don't I have energy? We are Pursuing and giving ourselves to things that are taking, it's not about energy and effort. We give energy and effort, but we give our energy and our effort and our time and our focus to things that drain us, crush us, stress us out, but we don't give ourselves to stuff that could improve our lives and make them what we're longing for. And somehow, impossibly, we believe if we just double down on some of these things that are creating chaos and havoc in our souls, maybe eventually it will turn around and make everything better. The real irony of it is that we're not talking about a life-changing thing. We're talking about 15 to 30 minutes of exercise a day. 15 to 30 minutes. And and they talk about it as life-transforming. As a matter of fact, if you don't have 15 to 30 minutes a day to do that, Did you know studies show that just five minutes of outdoor activity, five minutes of outdoor activity improves your mood, your self-esteem, reduces your stress, and clears your mental fog. But we don't have time. But we don't have energy. What if we do have the time? But we've allowed ourselves to give that time and energy to other things that are killing us depressing us, worrying us out. Has anybody watched 15 to 30 minutes worth of news this week? We could talk about the studies of what that brings in your life, right? Has anybody worried for five minutes this week? We give ourselves to some things and say we don't have time for other things. What if we actually have choices that we can make, but we never allow ourselves to think of them as choices we can make. We excuse ourselves, we wave the white flag, and we say, I don't know what I can do about it. I have to do this, I have to do that. I'm telling you, I think we're lying to ourselves. I think we actually can do these things. We just tell ourselves that we can't. And it doesn't even have to have a lot of impact on what we've overloaded on our schedules although it probably should. Five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. I think the real reasons that we don't do anything about exercise is number one, we don't believe it will bring us the benefit that we are told it will bring us. We don't actually believe it will be life-changing and helpful in that way because if we really believed it, We'd probably have more passion to do it. We wouldn't feel guilty about it. We wouldn't feel stressed about it. We wouldn't feel like, oh, that's just another thing to add to my list. We'd be like, I need that. Because I need that energy. I need that self-esteem. I need to ward off depression. I need that. We wouldn't be like, how? You just thrown another thing on my plate to do, Mark. And I think the other reason we skip it is because when we don't do it, it seems to us like nothing terrible happens. Some of those other things that get on our schedule when we don't do them, we have tangible, measurable, physical, audible results. People are mad at us. Our job docks our pay. We have all these results that we can categorize. But when I don't take care of my soul and body, nothing bad comes from it. Or that's what we think. That's what we tell ourselves. The truth is many of us are living, walking, breathing examples of the trauma that comes when we ignore what's been available to us and given to us for our well-being and instead choose all these other things that we feel driven to that keep wringing the life out of our soul. Now, I'm not talking about this because I want us to be a buffed-up church. (laughs) I mean, obviously we are, but... (laughs) I think there's a real correlation with what I'm talking about today and that principle of exercise. Because it seems to me that people skip spiritual stuff a lot. What they need for their spiritual well-being for the sake of other things, lesser things, Things that slowly destroy their soul. And I keep putting things that spiritually I need on the back burner. Keep shoving it off to the side. And when I do, when I decide on a given Sunday morning I don't feel like going to church. When I decide I don't really want to be a part of a small group. When I decide I don't really want to do the things that I know. I don't want to worship the Lord. Nothing catastrophic seems like it happens. But what I would suggest to you is that we are all living in the trauma that comes from setting aside the stuff that God has given us to bring health to our soul. I want to talk to you about two things today that are pretty basic. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is not going to be real surprising. You're probably very familiar with this, but I think God has power for it anyway. Now, if you're new to Jesus, maybe you don't know a lot about these things. Maybe you don't know where to start. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But the good news is that these are really simple things. I'm going to try to give you a sales pitch today. I'm going to try to make an appeal to you not to write off things that maybe you could easily and have often written off, but they could, instead of writing them off, they could be your way back to a spiritually healthy you. If you feel lost, if you feel overwhelmed, if your life feels chaotic, these simple things could be God's prescription for your life. And they're two habits Two habits that have been a theme for God's people throughout the story of God's Word. There's a lot of Scripture, and we're going to bounce all over the place today. I'm just trying to sample a little bit of it to give you a sense of the power and the potency of these two habits. The first habit is reading the Bible, engaging God's Word. This is, we've, we've been doing this on Sundays since we began as a church, but throughout the Word of God, the prophets of the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament regularly claim to bring words from God to the people of God through the writings of Scripture. And the plea is always the same. Please listen to this. Please hear this. Please respond to this. Please engage this. In the first psalm, we get some idea of why the people of God do this. Why do we engage God's word regularly? Why do we read God's word regularly? It isn't because of some rule we've been given. It isn't just another item to check off on some spiritual chore chart. It isn't because God's going to give us the silent treatment if we don't. It isn't because God's going to be mad at us if we don't. It isn't because we're going to lose our salvation if we don't. The psalmist tells us, The reason we passionately and purposefully read God's Word regularly is because of what we gain when we do and what we lose when we don't. May God give us eyes to see this today. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Verse 2 begins a a discussion that comes off of verse 1 about the blessed man. And he says, this blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. He says, someone who is blessed is someone who delights in the law of the Lord. Now the law, that sounds to us like, oh yeah, so you're talking about rules. That's what you're talking about. Now, what we're talking about here is what the psalmist understood as the Word of God. If you think about this, in David's time, when when David is writing psalms, what scriptures do they have? They don't have the prophets. That hasn't happened yet. They don't have Song of Solomon. That's David's son, right? Proverbs, that's David's son. There's a lot of stuff that's not written yet. So they have the first five books of the Bible, which the Israelites called the law, even though as we went through Genesis years ago, as we went through Exodus last year, as we're going through Numbers, we see that there's a lot more than just rules. There's stories, there's promises, there's examples, there's warnings, there's all kinds of stuff in the narrative of the law. And then maybe Joshua and Judges had been written, maybe Ruth, but that's about it. Maybe Job. There's not a lot of stuff that predates The Psalms. And so when he says the law, he's talking about the Word of God. And he's talking about the whole idea of what God has been showing us thus far in history and has been recorded for us. And he's saying the person who delights in that, who finds joy in that, who passionately pursues that, they have some things that happen in their life. And in verse 3, what he says is, here's a picture of what happens. They are a tree planted by a river of water. And so when others wither, they don't. What it means is this, we become drought-proof. When the heat is on, when it feels like everything's trying to wring you out, anybody like feeling this in your life? Any, Any point in your life where you felt like, man, it's really hot in here. This is really hard. This is really heavy. I feel like I'm getting burned up and scorched. What does he say? They are like a tree planted by a stream of water. So they don't just survive the drought. They thrive in it because they produce fruit. Everybody else is withering and dying and drying up, but this one is thriving and producing fruit. What's the difference? They delight in the Word of God, day and night. Do we believe that? Do you believe that maybe the dryness in your soul over the past year has some direct correlation with how you've engaged God's Word? Maybe it's that simple. The other practice is prayer. Prayer is a conversation with God. We read in the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, pray continually. Paul gives this instruction. Pray continually continually it's in a whole big long list of instructions that he gives us saying rejoice give thanks in all circumstances don't take revenge stay away from every kind of evil and one of the commands he gives us is to pray continually meaning that a christian's life is to be characterized by prayer it's supposed to be something that we always do a regular part of our lives essential needed for our well-being famous pastor, Charles Spurgeon, from the 1800s, I read a quote from him that uh, someone, he said, every time someone comes and asks me, which is more important, reading the Word of God or praying? He said, well, I'll answer you that when you tell me this. Which is more important, breathing in or breathing out? It is essential to our life. These simple habits that have been given to us for our thirsty soul. They are oxygen for our spirit. They are life-giving to all who follow Jesus. And I want to show you a little bit of how. So I want to go to what reading does, and then I want to go to what prayer does. So let's start with what reading does. And again, it's just a small sample, but I want to give you some idea of some of the things that happen when we do these two things. First, reading the Bible. And maybe as we talk about this, you're going to notice some of the things that happen when I read the Bible, some of the things that happen when I pray, and you're going to be like, "Aha!" That's what's been missing. That's what I've been needing. And that's why I've been missing it. Reading the Word of God. First thing we find out about reading the Word of God is that when we read the Word of God, it brings faith to my life. Faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word about Christ. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. So faith comes as I listen, as I engage, as I take in the Word of God. Do you need faith to face the the foes in your life? The doubts, the fears, the questions, the challenges, the struggles? Do you need faith For that, are you overwhelmed with anxieties or worry? Do you need a stronger faith to face the challenges of your calling? Faith comes from hearing God's Word, from engaging with it, by reading it or listening to it, definitely by responding to it. Faith comes from the Word of God. You want to build your faith? Read God's Word. Jesus says another thing the Word of God does is cleans us, inside and out. John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus is having a conversation with his father on the night that he was betrayed. And part of that prayer, he says this, sanctify them, that is us, by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus says we get sanctified by God's word. Sanctify is to purify, to separate from anything dirty. What it means is that as I read the Word of God, as I engage the Word of God, as I bring it into my life, it begins to clean out my soul. And I believe this happens even more than like in a conscious thing. If you will read the Word of God on a regular basis, listen to the Word of God, engage the Word of God on a regular basis, it just kind of washes the junk out of your soul. And if you don't believe that that's possible, think about the junk that gets into your soul from what you watch, listen to, read, and set your mind on. So when I set my mind on the Word of God, it starts to brush those things away and clean me out. And then once my insides start to get healthy and whole, it changes how I walk, how I live, what I do. Because now I have a passion, I've got convincedness. Not only do I have faith, but I've also kind of been able to get rid of some of the stuff that's been weighing me down, that's been confusing me and making life foggy. I'm more free than ever before. By the way, another thing that it does, it equips us for the battles that we face. Does anybody here ever face any battles in your life? Any fights that you got to... Stand up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So this is at the end of this whole discussion Paul has about the battles that we face in our life. And Paul says, you think the battle is about that person that's out to get you, or this circumstance, or this health problem, or this money problem. But that's not the real battle. The real battle is spiritual forces that want to deny you your place in the kingdom of God. They want to wash you out from purpose. They want to to separate you from power. They want to convince you that God's presence is not with you. That's the battle you face. And when you go into battle, you put on all these pieces, and then you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word equips us for battle. When Jesus was being tempted, what did He use? The Word of God to fight the battle. Maybe the reason you keep losing battles is because you don't have your weapon with you. It's the sword of the Spirit, and the implication is that as I take up the Word of God, I also take up with it the power of the Spirit that enables the Word of God to win the victory that's already been given to me but can be accomplished through the Spirit as I trust in Him by using the Word of God. God's Word is also a guide for us in our lives. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Ever wonder what decisions to make, how to go? Ever think, man, I'd really like to know what the right thing to do is here. Your word is a guide to me, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Maybe if we were more seriously engaged in the word of God, we would have less confusion, cloudiness and chaos in the decisions that we make. Maybe through experience, we would know that I don't need to know 12 steps down the road. I just need to know the next step because the word is going to keep being a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. And if I keep experiencing it, I'm not worried about three years from now. I'm just worried about what do you want me to do today, Lord? What you've given me is the grace and the power and the guidance and the strength for right now, right here today. Thank you, Lord. I'm confident. And guess what? You do that enough and you're like, guess what? I know what's going to happen 10 years from now. I know what's going to happen 10 weeks from now. God is going to be there. As a matter of fact, some of you are so wrapped up in worry and fear. You know what you do? You project into the future, but you leave out the most important part. You project, well, what if this person does this? And what if that happens? And what if they make this decision? whatever. But what you forget is, but what about if the God of the universe is still there guiding your steps? What if the Word of God still is the power of God to guide you day by day? See, we leave that part out. That's how we get involved in worry. We leave out the truth that sets us free. The Word of God. Statistics of studies done in the last decade say the greatest driver of spiritual growth is Bible engagement. The biggest difference between people who are moving forward in their faith and people who are wilting are people who are engaged in the Bible, memorizing it, reading it regularly, listening to it, learning from it, applying it to your life. So here's the simple thing. If you want to grow in your faith, take in God's word every day. Now, how do I do that? Maybe you're like, "Ah, I'm convinced, Mark, let me do it. How do I do that? There are Bible reading plans. There are devotional books available. You can buy them. You can go online and get them. We've given them out over the past couple of years. We actually have a bookmark out there that's got Bible, a book for each month for you to read that's about a chapter a day to make sure that every day we are reading the Word of God. We have workshops coming up where we're going to engage in the Word of God on a Wednesday night for four weeks. We have Bible study normally on Wednesday nights. We have Sunday mornings. We have a a podcast called Hope Daily that goes out every day of the week for about seven or eight minutes that you can listen to the Word of God. Some of you can just turn on the Bible app in your car and let somebody read the Bible to you while you drive to work. We got to get a little bit more serious about reading God's Word if we want what it does in our lives. All right, Praying. Let's move on. The other things Christians do is pray. Reading lets us hear God's message, but prayer is a different way that we converse with God. A lot of us think of prayer as asking God for what we want. God, give me this. God, give me that. Please make that not happen. Please change this person. Please change this circumstance. God, please do, 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 do. But, We think of it that way when we are immature. What it really is, much better description, much more accurate description, is having a conversation with God about what you think, what you feel, what you see, the questions that you have. Just simple requests about maybe reassuring his presence in your life. God, I need this. I know that you're going to provide it Simple conversation with God. And as we pray, it impacts our lives in some big ways. And I'm just going to give you three. First is, and I believe this, this is why we get together every Sunday morning and pray in my office. And this is why every single person we invite, every person who's serving on a Sunday morning, and anybody else who wants to join us in a prayer huddle before the service. Because I believe that when we pray, God pours out His power. And you know why I believe that? Because I've experienced it. And I've experienced when I walk into God's work in my own confidence, it doesn't work so well. It's like somebody pulled the plug on the power. It just doesn't have the same pep. You know why? Because I haven't deliberately, consciously, uh, on, on very purpose, turned this thing over to Him. So we do that on a regular basis. Acts chapter 4. Verse 29 to 31, the the early church had been threatened. Don't you talk about Jesus anymore or we're going to kill you. So what did they do? They prayed. And let's see what happened. They say, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. You need some power in your life? Have you felt worn out? Have you felt weary? Have you felt discouraged? you need some power in your life? I'm going to tell you where it comes from, but it's going to take a couple minutes from your day. Pray. 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 This is where power gets poured out on us. Prayer here gave them power for a dangerous and difficult calling. Maybe some of us could use power for our lives. And maybe it means that you're going to have to turn your attention towards prayer sometime during your day, every day. They had to step into God's calling and out of their comfort and their control. And the way that they did that was through prayer. When you go before the God of the universe in prayer, you come humbly, you come recognizing that He's the one who's got all the power. So you surrender, you bow, and then you choose to trust Him. You choose to give it to Him. This is where power comes from in prayer. God, it's not me, it's you. Get me out of the way, fill me up, and here I go, and I know you've got it. You want to know what kind of power prayer has? Let me just give you one example of the kind of power prayer has. A group called Family Life did a study about 10 years ago. The divorce rate, because they're all about marriage, so they're talking about divorce rate. Divorce rate in the United States of America is still around 50%. So you get married, it's basically a coin flip. Yes, no, you'll stay married, you won't stay married. It's about 50-50. Now, the divorce rate in the Church of Jesus Christ is about 50%. It's exactly the same. Still a coin flip, 50-50. But in the church, there are about 8% of couples who are involved regularly in church who do one thing, one thing, and the divorce rate for them goes from 50% down to 1%. One thing. What do you think that one thing is? Pray together. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty powerful thing. Outside the church, inside the church, 50%. But do this one thing together, pray together regularly, and it goes down to 1%. That seems like power. Maybe power we could use, right? If your marriage is important to you, do you think maybe that's something you want to bring in? That kind of power? And that's just one example of all kinds of examples of what praying regularly does to bring power into our lives. Other things prayer does. Prayer is how we battle. It's part of how we battle. Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen, which comes after the verse seventeen we read a couple minutes ago, it says this because this is the close of the whole battle against the forces of darkness and 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 spiritual wickedness and all that. This is what it closes with. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The conclusion of the armor of God about going out into battle is, and pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. So if we're fully dressed for battle, how do we step into battle? Prayer. We step into it through prayer. Well, I don't know how to pray. Well, I think they just gave you a lot of license. All kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests on all occasions. Sounds like God's not too finicky about prayer. It sounds like you can just go and pray to Him. And when you do, it keeps you alert to God's work, to God's presence, to God's hand, to God's purpose, to God's guidance in your life. I'm guessing some of us could be more equipped to go into battle if we would read and we would pray. One other thing, I don't know if anybody could use this, so I'll leave it here at the end. Maybe it's something you can use, maybe it isn't. But prayer brings peace to your soul. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And result, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. Anybody here ever could use some peace in your soul? A peace that's not from logic, a peace that's not from control, a peace that's not from things going your way, having what you want, a peace in the middle of a storm, a peace in the middle of a trial, a peace in the middle of loss. Could anybody use that ever? A peace in a world that's gone crazy, a peace in a world that keeps telling you that it's all dark and it's all doom and if you don't get on the right side, you're going to be left out. Does anybody need that kind of peace? Guess where you get it from? Prayer. Oh, that's too simple. <laughs> you, there's not option B. That's how you get it. Well, I'm too busy. Are you? Are you? Prayer brings us peace. It convinces us that we are in the presence of God. It convinces us again. It reminds us. Read the Psalms. If you don't know how to pray, read the Psalms because they do this all the time. They start at like, God, it looks bad. And then it works and works and works to, God, you are great, so I'm going to trust you. That's what prayer does, and that's how it brings us peace because we work ourselves from what we see to what we believe And when we get to what we believe, then we can be like, all right, Lord, that's yours. Here you go. You have it. Let me know if you need me to do something about it, but otherwise, you got it. It's yours. Prayer and reading the word of God. These are simple things. I really, as I say, I'm trying to give you a sales pitch. I really shouldn't even have to. I should really just go like this. Listen, the God of the universe wants to talk to you. The God of the universe wants to talk to you. I mean, if you thought about your favorite movie star or your favorite celebrity or somebody that that you would love to meet and they called your house and they said, hey, I want to set up a meeting and I want to spend five minutes with you. That's awesome. Would you be like, well, I got all these things. I can't move them. I got to do this and that and I don't know what to. You have someone much greater that wants to talk to you have a conversation with you, pour out their love in your life that wants to be with you and convince you and give you power and equip you for battle, clean you from the inside out, that wants to build your faith and make you whole and healthy spiritually. And it requires that you take some time each day to read, engage the word of God, and pray. The question is not can we, it's just will we. So my prescription for you is this. I don't know how to pray. Well, we have a model from Jesus, the Lord's Prayer. You know, set your, set your mind on things above. Uh, uh, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Remember your dependence. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, forgive us as we forgive. Like, remember that and remember his grace and mercy. There's some models. Maybe you need to go to him in prayer and just surrender. God, I'm I'm done. I'm done trying to work it out. I'm done trying to be God. I'm done trying to be on top of it all. You're the one on top of it all. And I'm giving myself to you today. I can't give myself to you tomorrow. And I can't give myself to you yesterday. But I'm giving myself to you today. Because I'm sick of living stressed out. I'm sick of living running on a treadmill and never getting anywhere. So God, I'm coming in prayer to say, here I am. Maybe it's a plea, a passionate plea. God, please do what's right. Please show yourself to the hurting, to the broken, to the wicked, to the lost. Please. Maybe it's just confident trust. God, I put my trust in you. I know you will never, never fail me. This week, how about if all of God's people made it a point to read and pray every day. I'm not going to give you the recipe that fits you. Don't know what it is. But how about if we had a little bit more perseverance in us than to just wave the white flag when we try it one day and it doesn't seem to do anything. Maybe we could explore a little further and keep working at it and watch God show up Seven days. Try it for seven days. Come back next week and let's see what God has done. Let's see what God has done in our lives. Let's give this to the Lord in a word of prayer as we close our service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that you reach out to us, for your word, the way that it teaches us and instructs us and shows us and gives us example, the way it encourages us and feeds our soul. Thank you for your invitation to boldly come into the throne room with with our souls, with our problems, with, with our fears, with our doubts, with all of it. And you are not put off by it. You invite us to come. Come to you in prayer. I pray that you would stir these things up in your people, that you would use it by your power to create life beyond what we have ever experienced or expected before draw us close to you, convince us that you are the one that holds us, that we are secure in your hands, and then let us walk in this faith, in this world, as lights in the darkness. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.